Howdy, Chad. Howdy, Cameron. This week, I have a funny opening to share with everyone. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, knock, knock. Who is there? Um, a, a dinosaur. Dinosaur who? I could have planned this out better. I don't get it. It's a is that the sheep. name of a dinosaur? With Cameron and Chad. Yay, it's us. Everyone loves us except except us. We hate ourselves. So I wanna I wanna share a quick little story. You know how uh anyone that's been listening to the show for a while is familiar, but we call our listeners Richards. Yeah. And it's because one of our earliest listeners is named Richard. Hi Richard. Hi Richard. Um so Richard visited my Animal Crossing Island. Okay, fuck it up. No, it was a very nice little visit. But it was funny because he was telling me, like, did you shake all your trees? And I was like, no. He's like, well, you got, there's two furniture in the tree every day. So you got to find both furnitures. I'm going to go shake your trees for you. I'm like, I don't care. And he's running around shaking all my trees. I thought, okay, whatever. He's having fun. And he brought me furniture that I didn't want. And I said, you can have it. And he's like, okay, bye. And he got on the airplane and he left my island. So the other day, I'm playing Animal Crossing, and I talk to one of my villagers, and they walk up and say, hey, Cameron. And I said, hi, character. And she said, I, th- the other day, um, Richard came over, and I saw him shaking a lot of trees. I don't know what's up with that. I think it's weird. And so I felt validated that the game thought it was weird, too. <laughs> awesome. Um, oh, I got another Animal Crossing story. Remember when the other day, um, a couple weeks ago, I guess, I, I pointed out how weird it is that Bad Dragon sells, like, merch? Yeah. Did I mention what I saw, like, the day after I recorded that with you? No. I'm driving home from work, and I'm at the stoplight, and then right next to me, like, a Jeep pulls up, and you know how Jeeps have those spare tires on the back? Mm-hmm. With a Jeep cover with a big bag dragon logo on it. Really? Like the day after I said it's really weird. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess that's a thing people do. Um, so the reason I bring that up is now I, I ha- I've been thinking about this for weeks now. And just it's so weird. So I have to I have to conquer my fears and I'm making bad dragon t shirts for Animal Crossing. Oh god. Because what's great is when you put up your own custom shirt, sometimes your your neighbors will wear them. And sometimes when they leave your island to go to a friend's place, they'll take that shirt with them. Oh, really? So I'm kind of hopeful that maybe a stranger that comes to like buy oranges off of me is going to accidentally get this uh, peacock with a bad dragon shirt to just show up one day and go, Hi, I'm your next door neighbor. That would be amazing. And I thought, you know what? That would be kind of funny. So I'm doing that. I like that. That's very a very you thing to do. I it appreciate is. it. How is how is your week? Did you do more uh normal things that aren't cringe? Yeah, uh I've been work well, I mean I I've I've put a handful of more hours into my McCavity the Mystery Cat death metal cover. I don't know if that's cringe or not. I would say I, so. It's I think the mix is done. I think I finished it today. Got to test the new one tomorrow on a couple speaker systems, but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm happy with it now. You gotta nix that mix. Yeah. yeah. Actually, speaking of cringe, freaking ContraPoints put out an hour and a half video on cringe. That was really interesting. I don't know if we really want to get into that. 
but it was uh, it was a good video about like the different kinds of reasons people cringe at things and the kind of the some of the, the psychology that goes into it and why we maybe are attracted to that or very much find it reprehensible. Oh, you could. I mean, your call if you don't want to talk about it, it's okay. My thing is, is I had like things to say two days ago and then forgot all of them, and I don't know if I'm prepared to have like an actual intellectual discussion tonight. That's fair I'm, too. I'm feeling just kind of stupid. I don't know. It made me think though, like, so the the the, the two reasons that she defines that people cringe by, like, or at least what lumping them together is you you you, assume, you see yourself in someone and you you feel like secondhand embarrassment, like. Because you've been in that situation, or you know you're capable of being in that situation, and there's almost like a herd mentality thing with it that it keeps us like acting within certain social bounds, and that makes sense. Or the other big one is that there are people acting in a specific way that they think is cool, badass, awesome, and it's not. Like uh, those guys that visited the subway with a bunch of g- fake guns because they were protesting, and it's like you have a, a spent rocket launcher tube or in one case, the dude, like, actually had a gun made out of wood that he painted and carved. Yeah, that was actually pretty cringe. <laughs> and this dude's eating this Subway sandwich like he's the most baddest motherfucker, and it's like... <laughs> like, like he's making no. a point. It's like, what are you even doing? And so, those are the two that she defines, and then she kind of spill, spills out from there as far as how we interact with those and why. And it made me think of our good friend Neil Breen, because I think he's in a weird spot where... He maybe thinks he's a better writer director than he is, but also he's clearly somewhat self-aware. And I feel like the reason we gravitate towards him isn't because of how he views himself, but how it's sort of like, man, if he can do this, we can do it too. Like he makes it seem like an attainable goal to make a full feature-length movie. But at the same time, there is a certain level. Like you watch those movies, and you're just like, "Oh God damn, this thing! Why? Why is this? Why is this real? Why am I doing this to myself?" I don't know if you have any opinions on that. I kind of think of myself as a cringe connoisseur. Where I, so we've talked about bad movies before. Mm-hmm. And partially, bad movies are charming when they're, like, endearing because it's like, oh, this person tried. This is interesting. And then there's also the part where it's almost like a puzzle. Like, when when a scene is so poorly put together, you kind of have to think about it and go, why did they say this is okay to release? Or what were they trying to do here? Or what were they imitating and they fall flat on? And it's like, there's a there's a section of bad movies where the the people that like these bad movies tend to be very good movie critics because they understand the the medium. Mm-hmm. And so it scratches an itch that if you go to the movie theater and see like a pretty much anything Hollywood puts out, it's going to be at best kind of entertaining and more than not it's probably just going to be kind of boring or like yeah, that's yeah, good, it's fine. And then you see something like a Neil Breen film, and it's like, what is going on? What is wrong with this guy? And it gives you something to actually think about. Uh, when we think about cringy stuff that ends up on the internet, usually it's not the puzzle solving. It's like, this is so weird, I could have never thought it up on my own. 
Well, there's different kinds, right? Like, some of the stuff you find and send to me, like, I don't know where does Stuart the Sock rate on this, right? Because I don't know if he's trying to create something that's cringy. He's just trying to create something that's really disturbing and weird, and you kind of have this visceral, like, reaction to it, but also you want to keep going because it's fascinating. Versus Stuart the Sock and Tamers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. They have yeah. a self-aware quality where they're producing this thing. They they edit it in a way that maximizes what's going on. And then you see stuff like uh, video from um, Awesome Games Done Quick, where the guy is so self-aware that he can't get up to walk to the bathroom because he doesn't want to cut in front of anyone's vision of the game. So he keeps standing up and sitting down because he's awkward. That that's not his product. He's not putting out this video. It's just him being cringy and someone recording it and pointing and laughing at him. You know what I mean? Sure. I feel like that stuff appeals to me a little less. But some of them are so out there where it's like, wow, I can't. It, it's like the that that kid at Minecon where he's like, like how how much dedicated wham the thovo, and that's such a fun quote that it's like I love that kid. Right. And it's it's weird that he wanted to ask a technical <laughs> he wanted to ask a technical question at a convention that he could have like asked on a Minecraft forum, but he's and he's there with a with his Minecraft username above his head like he's in costume, and the people there don't understand the question, so it gets even more awkward. Right. And it's like I don't know what the I don't know why I like this one more because it's I the think- same thing but it's different. There's a there's a genuineness to that though that is kind of relatable, right? Like, because this kid clearly likes the game. He's he's cosplaying as his character. He's advertising his username, and he's trying to ask a technical question that, to him, probably means something. Like he thinks he's like he wants to be think about the game maybe further than just playing it. And I appreciate that even if like he it comes off weird. Whereas some of the other cringe stuff you see in like especially like compilations, it's almost like cruel because they're taking like a bad moment that someone had in public and then making fun of it. Uh, at least a lot of the examples I end up running into, right, where it's like someone at a, a, a protest shouting something that, in retrospect, really stupid, but and, and they, they're probably embarrassed looking back at it, too. And now it's on YouTube and Facebook for millions of people to see, and of course, they get doxxed, and then it just turns into a bunch of bullshit. And I don't I don't like that for one because obviously like I don't like watching those embarrassing things that makes me feel bad. But also I really don't like that it, it becomes like weaponizing an embarrassing moment that millions of people can view and then use as uh you know, just making it worse when there's really no reason to do that. Like they've already are like, Man, I can't believe I did that and it's like now you have all these strange reviews going, I can't believe you did that. And I think that's where you kind of like, you know, draw the line of content, right? Where Tamers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is clearly making exactly what he wants to make, and he is, like you said, self aware about it, or Mega 64. They're going into public dressed as things and enacting, you know, video game scenes and being weird, but they also know exactly what they're doing. They put a lot of work into it. Like, they're, this is their art, and it's just kind of weird modern art. And so I at least I can appreciate that stuff and then can watch it because I there's a second motive to it, right? You know, the, that puzzle piece that making fun of strangers because they acted bad in public does not have. I think there's different kinds of cringe, and you tapped on some things I wanna I wanna dissect here. 
I guess the stuff I don't like is when it comes across as bullying. Like, it's like, well, what's the what's the point here if you're just trying to be mean, you know? Yeah. There's that. And then there's, like, there's two kinds of cringe that I do enjoy that, or rather, they fall into different categories. I think there's intentional, like, the quality is low. Well, I, okay, I started my YouTube channel basically doing, like, PG version of Stuart the Sock skits. Right. Um, that's cringe. Uh, I don't know. I think uh I I mean the the intent is like I I don't know if you noticed there's always a green screen effect and it always like cuts poorly. Right, but yeah, it's one of those like you're you're intentionally Where doing a thing. It's intent so... that's the that's the style I'm trying to present. I think and... the fact that you have a style makes it elevates it above something that, you know, you're but trying it's... to do a thing. It's just maybe dumb, but well, you're having fun with it. It's cringe humor. Like okay. maybe maybe you don't call it cringy. But it, that's, it's trying to derive fun from that same space. Yes. And then there's the cringe stuff that falls under the category of a failure. Now, usually that gets dangerously close to the bullying stuff. But sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? They were really earnest about putting this out. So let's all enjoy the room. Let's all enjoy uh, Fateful Findings. It's sure. we're, we're clearly not getting what they wanted out of it. But at the same time, we're kind of appreciating the work. Um, oh, for sure. Especially with Fateful Findings. I mean, that is like I, a two-hour movie. Yeah, but I recently sent you what I what I referred to as the worst song ever recorded in earnest. Yeah, and it was not a great song, and I don't think I listened to the whole thing. I, I wouldn't expect you to. Um, But this was... Uh, did, did you see who actually sang it? No. So this is Dee Dee Ramone from the Ramones. Do you know who the Ramones are? They're a punk band. They're like they're the punk band. Like they're I they're kind don't of don't know if I've ever heard a song by them. You certainly I I have. have. You certainly have. Yeah. And they're pretty much the band responsible for uh getting punk to be understood and wild widespread. They didn't necessarily popularize it. I think that might go more to Green Day for making it like popular. I feel like, yeah, because Green Day, they weren't really a full-on punk band. They were like a pop-punk band, which is yeah, it, important, right? Because that's how you, the popular pop, you know, that's Green, where Green that Day from. was basically Young Ramones. Okay. And, it, and there's a little bit of like, ah, we were here first, but ah, it didn't work out. Sure. Um, But anyways, it's very <laughs> it's very sad to <laughs> think of this guy that started the, this punk band and then, like, he found out about rap, and I was like, oh, I could do that, but he didn't understand what rap was. And so he did a cover of Mashed Potato Time, and it's just, it is so awful that I, it made me sad. Like, I cried listening to it. <laughs> it was like, this dude, you're so much better. Why didn't any of your friends tell you this was bad? And what's really interesting is his friends that helped him, like, produce it, when any of them were asked about this period in his life, all they'll say is, you know, he he was happy. I, isn't that what's all that matters? <laughs> like, <laughs> like they weren't even supportive. They were just like they were being there for him. Sure. But it's like it, well, I'm listening to it, and I realized this song sounds like something Mega sixty four would do as a joke. Yes, because the the lyrics are literally like, "It's time to talk. It's time to rap." It's the mashed potato wrap. Is it what? 
like are you being serious <laughs> it's so out there and it's so awful and i'm like i'm enamored with the fact that it exists i've also literally never sat through the entire song because i can't take it yeah like i'm a glutton for punishment you know how masochistic i get with this garbage i have not Yo. finished mesh potato time by Didi ramon that's funny Actually, you know, he for his rap career, he like rebranded as DD King, and he started wearing like extra watches and gold chains and stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh, that is that is bad. It was um, it, it was it was kind of like a midlife crisis thing that he. But that was... comes back to that um the the two kinds of cringe I was talking about earlier, right? Where you're this guy clearly thinks he's doing a good thing, and that he's maybe I mean, if he's wearing that kind of jewelry, he's got to at least think he's. It doesn't sound like he's self aware, and so. You you feel okay kind of, like, deriding him because it's sort of like, dude, what is wrong with you in your head that you think this is a good idea? And he, you know, he's clear, there's some inflated ego going on to think that he can pull this off, but clearly he cannot, like, neither one of us can finish that song. That's I don't know, like... so fascinating, I don't know. Because one of the examples that in the, the ContraPoints video that was played was... Uh, Something on American Idol, where it was a bad singer, and the judges are laughing, and they go, okay, who do you who do you compare yourself to? And the singer says, Freddie Mercury, which obviously is fucking ridiculous. And then they laugh harder, and you're like, okay, that's, that's pretty bad, right? Like, so, singer up there with an inflated ego who's really bad and, and thinks he should be here, and his friends never told him, dude, you're kind of bad at singing. Oh, was this William Hung? I don't know who this was, uh, or from what year this was. I mean, this the thing is with the American Idol, right? There are thousands of clips. The show's been on for how many seasons? Like, there are a lot of bad singers who think they're good. Um, the problem with these kinds of shows is if you research how they're made, is the producers will find bad people, tell them they're really good, be like, you sound like this guy, go up and do this. And then they'll do that, and then get made fun of because that's f- content. Uh, there's a lot of really shitty, shitty manipulation in, in shows like American Idol and The Voice. Um, so you, you you feel bad like having this reaction because like this this dude shouldn't have been here at all, and someone should have told him don't show up. But at the same time, like other people he believed in because they worked at the show, gave him a thumbs up and said you're for sure gonna be on this, and we're gonna and, and the judges are gonna be impressed. They and, and lied to him to make TV and making fun of him and laughing at him feels exceptionally cruel knowing that. Yeah. It, that's the complicated part is it, it, it feels very weird um, because it turns into this thing where are, are they, how aware are they of what's going on? Like, are they being taken advantage of or are they in on it? Um, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. I think he's like more of an Instagram guy or a, he's one of those Vine star guys. With, I know his name's Ricky. I don't remember his last name. Ricky Berwick. Are you familiar with Ricky Berwick? No. Um, let me find one of his good videos. Uh, you, you would know him. Here, I'm going to send you one here. So Ricky Berwick's one of these guys where he, he has some sort of... um. Like he was, he was born with some kind of uh, deformation. Deformation, deformation. It's a, it's. There's a form of dwarfism. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but he's he's basically crippled. Like he can't use his legs, 
and his arms are like a little longer than they should be. And oh, his, wow. Yes, they are. And his hands are shaped funny. Like he has a weird finger configuration. Um, and he has kind of like a funny looking face. And he's basically a brilliant comedian that really capitalizes on how weird he looks. Um, there's a great video at uh, PAX or something earlier this year where Nintendo had this cool Animal Crossing booth where it's like you're really in Animal Crossing. And there's a video of him like crawling around going like, yay, I'm in Animal Crossing. And he, like, <laughs> he like crawls over to a tree and he's like shaking. He's like, I'm in Animal Crossing. Look, it's Tom Nook. And he like crawls over to Tom Nook and like, like hi, Tom Nook. And Tom Nook hugs him. He's like, hey, listen, if you take my money, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing because he has this great sense of timing and he edits his videos super well. Um, And so I follow him on Twitter because he's funny all the time. And he he's a self-described comedian. Like he puts out jokes. Um, <laughs> he actually, he sells toys too. Like you get a little action figure of him. He just looks weird and he has a peanut butter cup. Um, But what's, what's funny is he likes to find people defending him where somebody will post a picture of him out of context and then there's always someone there to virtue signal and go don't make fun of that crippled guy with his deformity and then he'll like chime in and go like no i'm being funny and he likes to jump on people that think that he needs defense and it's like okay i'm glad that he's aware why people are laughing at him you know it's like it's guilt-free laughing at that he looks funny because he's playing it up yeah you don't always get that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't always get that pass where you know they're in on it. And so there's the, the one of those American Idol guys was uh um William Hung. And he it's like I don't know why, but he he got pretty far in the competition. I think because it was like good content for the TV. But it's like does he know that we're kind of making fun of him cuz he he had like a mental thing. Um, he had some kind of mental handicap, and he, he kind of talked with a weird lisp, and he could not sing. And he kind of looked a little funny, I think. And it's like, are we are we laughing with him or at him was the conversation that kept coming up. Sure. Because it's like, well, I, I want to laugh when I see him, but does that mean? I, it's my instinct to laugh. Um, I don't know that we ever got an answer to that one either. <laughs> yeah, it is... Um... It is really complicated, which is one of the reasons I think I really liked the video. And, and ContraPoints isn't for everybody, and I know there's a lot of baggage kind of surrounding that YouTuber that is, in my mind, not worth getting into. But I like her videos because she makes me... She'll present a topic that has a lot of psychology behind it and actually make me think about it in a way that isn't like, here's spoon-fed information, this is a YouTube video. And uh, I really, really appreciate that aspect where... She's talking about a thing, in, but in a way that's like, makes me go, how do I engage with this content? Is it healthy or is it not healthy? What does it say about society? And uh, I feel like just people in general should probably be asking these questions more about themselves. Like, why do you like the things you do? Why do you not like the things you don't like? Um, people you surround yourself with, you know, just actually engaging in discussion and and. and you know, some level of critical thinking, even if you don't have to come up with any solutions, but just, I think the act of thinking about things more than just this surface level, that's funny. That's not funny, uh, is really important. And I don't know. You, I mean, all this shit going on right now. And I'm just like, wow, I'm surrounded by fucking idiots who have never like actually had to deeply think about anything. And it's really frustrating. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this guy's uh this is weird to watch. He Oh, Ricky Berwick, I love him. Yeah, um, he's but a, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing where it's really dude. easy to find people like getting basically like they don't know how to feel, so they're like, "Don't make fun but of you that know what? Like, guy." Good on him it's like, for making fun of basically himself. making lemonade out of lemons. I don't know where we draw the line, which is maybe kind of a pedantic thing to say, but at the same time, you know, you you, you don't you don't roll the dice to get the hand you you know the hand you're dealt kind of thing, right? I, I mix dice up with cards. Sorry, I'm. Because I'm dumb. Are you there? But, uh, cut out. Y- you do have, like, the certain things you're born... Oh, shit. Hey, welcome back. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Sorry, that cut out there. That's okay. I was, I was basically saying, like, you, there's a lot of things you can't control, um, and you have to kind of work with what you got, and I think it's... You know, this this guy clearly is, is, is doing a well making people happy and if he's happy like everything's good thumbs up yeah i hope so um if we want to get really uh woke about it um is he just going along with it because he feels that's the only way to stay relevant that's for the scholars to decide yeah i mean you know relevant is in the eye of the beholder in a way right like he he's clearly capable of doing things like he could have I don't, my, my go-to is always accountant, but it's sort of like, you, you, you need fingers and a brain to be an accountant, because you're largely going to be at a computer talking to people and typing and doing math. Like, it's not an easy job, because you have to have a, the, the right head for it and be smart and be passionate or whatever, or, or be soulless and hate your life, but you do it anyways, uh, 50-50 on most of the accountants I've ever met. Uh, but, you, you know, like, he's, he's in the creative industry, and that is already to me kind of cool because I'm trying to do that and mostly failing. Go buy my book, please. So I don't know. I got, I got, I got a lot of respect for him. I love him. I don't know. Ricky Berwick, everybody give him a round applause and buy his, his U2's toy. I kind of want one. (laughs) Um, if I wasn't collecting Warhammers, I probably would have bought it. Um, Okay, I mean, is that all you wanted to talk about about cringe? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have a whole lot more to go. I think if I had put some thought into it, I would, but also that would involve doing homework for this show. We don't do that. No, we don't. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much more there is to say because I, truthfully, I'm not, I'm not a great expert as much as I enjoy this stuff. Like, I feel like I'm going to talk about film, but mm-hmm. if you want to break down what is or isn't humor. That's like a whole degree higher than where I go. Well, I think though that you're getting a humor enjoyment out of it. I think other people that watch some of this stuff, especially the things that are like kind of on the crueler side, they're it's it's less about humor and it's it, there's almost just something kind of like sinister to it that it just makes you think like there's a there's a group of the pop world population that there's just there's a lot of bad people out there or, or people who are just really okay with laughing at other people's misfortunes. And I don't know, like, someone makes a thing, and it's not great, but they put work into it, and then people don't like it, and then it gets shared on 4chan or Reddit, and now all of a sudden, this person's getting attacked. And there's 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 always that worry when I release something, right? Like, what if that happens? What if they go, the land of glass gets shared on 4chan, and they don't like it, and they think it's dreadful, and all of a sudden, 
why Twitter's getting exploded by people who are pirating the game and, and, and saying the writing's really bad or they don't like the, you know, like, there's always this possibility that you can do something and people don't like it, which is fine. But the when the internet doesn't like something, they sometimes really don't like it to the point of just, it's, that's the, the new game. It's not playing the thing or consuming the art. It's making fun of the artist in a certain way because that's fun to them. And uh, this weird cat and mouse thing that goes on, and it, it it's unfortunate, and it makes me not like humans sometimes. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, because um, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to or not. But I've, I've been working on my second Warhammer army. Mm-hmm. Ah, I got some Tyranids, and I'm painting them. And I, what I love with my Grey Knights is they look really cool. But... I'm I'm basically coloring in the lines. Like I'm following the guide, I'm making them look appropriate for the canon. And my gray knights I'm happy with, but they also look like everyone else's gray knights. Sure. So what I wanted to do was I want to pick another army so I have two that can fight. And so I want to pick one that I'm allowed to be creative with. So it's like, oh the orcs, they color stuff different, and there's there's these clown guys, they have a lot of interesting colors. But I settled on the Tyranid aliens because um, they're they're more natural. So I figured, okay, I got my my knights in this like heavily metal army kind of thing. I'll go with this all natural biological enemy so that there's like the most contrast as possible. And thinking about how I wanted to color them, I decided on doing a color scheme that was a real animal, and I came to monarch butterflies because I love butterflies. And so I'm trying to paint these evil aliens to look like pretty butterflies. And it's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like, I don't know if I want to actually commit to this, you know? I think what you showed me is pretty cool. Well, yeah. So I wasn't sure, but I decided to put it out there, and I went to the uh, the 40K thread on 4chan, and I posted a picture, and I said, here's what I've got so far. And then this uh, this guy who's, like, autistic about his Tyranids, like, he has the whole book memorized. Um he immediately chimed in was saying how like, Oh, this is a neat idea. Here's some ideas. Here's this thing. You could do this. You could do, you could do this list here. Um, that has a lot of flying units. You could actually uh, play off of that more and make it even more like butterflies since you're flying and do this and that. And then here's like a thesaurus of a bunch of different words that mean monarch. And <laughs> you can name them after this. And gave me like all this valuable feedback. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then there was like one guy that was like, Oh, I, I don't like those. And it's like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's not much of a conversation, buddy. I don't know. Yeah. But I was surprised to get the, the positive feedback that I did. um, Because I felt like, you know, talking about cringe again, it's like, I'm going to paint my, my 40K army like butterflies. That's a line, you know? <laughs> At the same time, though, we've shared 40K stuff that were painted like, you know, McDonald's mascots and shit, right? Like, doing something weird oh, yeah. or a little stupid with 40K is not new. You're not the first yeah. person to try that. But those are also, like, jokes. I suppose. Um, And it's kind of like, I don't necessarily want a joke army. Well, it's um, like that one uh, Midwinter Mini guys that he painted this thing, and he didn't know what the color scheme was supposed to be, so he just like, well, I'm going to paint it like the colors of a termite. And so, you know, you're, you're coming from the same angle there, right? Where, like, this is a real bug uh, that has a real color scheme in nature. Let's roll with it. It's just termites are mostly brown, whereas butterflies have a lot of fun colors. But... To me, like, the point of getting a Tyranid set is to at least have one or two fun colors on them because they have their carpaces and, and their weapons are weird and biological. Like, fuck yeah, let's let's get weird. Let's have some fun. Yeah, I, ho- I hope it's fun. 
Um, I am pretty happy with that first like test piece. I did. I think they look pretty cool. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. It's kind of funny too. We have very different, I think, viewpoints of Fortran, and I think it's because when I was introduced to that site, it was late high school, early college, and it was only like really the the random page that anybody gave a shit about, which is where, you know, the dumping ground of just villainy, right? And so I'm happy to never go back there. But there are, like, the creative boards of 4chan with, you know, minis and video games and stuff, where like, comic books that, where people are apparently somewhat level-headed and not the worst. And it sounds like you get a, a lot out of those. Well, you know, the the trick is, um, there's, a, there's an element of literacy that comes with it. And you know that Moot sold the website off? Yes. So the, the guy that set it up sold it. But he wrote up this interesting, like, retrospective where, like, the the way he put it was the importance of having the anonymous part of the board means that you basically don't have uh, guilt about what you're saying. So there's no, like, baggage that comes with, like, the politics and the mind games. Like, you don't have to worry about that one guy that's that's got a grudge against you, so he's going to argue against you for whatever reason, no matter what you say. You don't have to worry about that other guy that's trying to suck up to the mods and earn brownie points or whatever, like the drama that comes out of other message boards. Sure. The The downside, of course, is everything that happens on 4chan. Like, I don't have to explain it. Mm-hmm. But what really happens is the more you use it, you can you gain literacy in how these messages are formed. And basically... I think a lot of people want to take everyone's opinion as equal... But really, if you read something, you you should be able to recognize if it's something worth acknowledging or not. That's fair. So there's a there's an art to it. But when I go to the 40k message board, um, there's this one guy that always posts a dumb rant about how Necrons aren't very good right now. Everyone understands that you just as soon as you recognize, oh, it's this guy, you just stop reading it. There's no value. Because <laughs> not not because his opinion's worthless, because he probably once got a really successful argument out of it, and he just keeps dropping this bait trying to get people to argue and acknowledge it. Sure. So everyone's like, "Oh, it's that guy again." I'm gonna change the subject, and then you'll see someone else where they put thought into what they're saying, and it's like, "Oh, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about." Um, I've had this before, where like I'll go to the comics board and I'll post a comic I'm working on, and I'll ask for feedback. And I'll actually get feedback. And I realize this is the only place in the world that I've gotten actual feedback. Um, some of the people that responded weren't giving constructive feedback, but I just don't factor those into what I'm looking for. I suppose it does make you... It, being on that site's got to thicken your skin in a way, right? Because you have to actively force yourself to choose who to listen to and who not to listen to, which gives you some perspective on your process and just people in general. So I think there's actually a misnomer there because a lot of people say that they say that like bullying thickens your skin and stuff like that. I disagree. I think what I've learned isn't to take punches. What I've learned is to ignore things that can't hurt me because I if I were to take the mean comments seriously, I would need thick skin. But I, I really I'm a sensitive baby and I need constant positive reinforcement. I love you, Cameron. What I've learned is how to parse information. Sure. Now, this is something I... This is kind of embarrassing. 
and I don't know if I've said this on the show or not before, but did I ever tell you that like I kind of didn't really learn how to read until college? No. So like when I, I went to community college after high school, and I went into before they'd let you sign up for general ed, you had to take like a a test where it would it would put you at whatever like your limit is. And so I got put in a fairly advanced math class. Um, I got put in a pretty, like a, like a decent history kind of area. And then I got put in remedial English for like special needs adults and like English as a second language adults. Oh, wow. Yeah. How though? We, we met on a message board and the only way we could communicate is to type to each other. Well, see, this is, this is where my understanding of what literacy actually is came from. Um, I understand letters. I can form a sentence. My reading retention is really bad. And the speed at which I read is very bad. And my vocabulary is bad. So technically, I got through the public school system with very high marks. And I got to college and they said, what are you, stupid? And in the remedial class that didn't even count towards college credit yet, I had to pass this to get into an actual college class. I went through very familiar elementary school, like, reading test cards. There's, like, this color-coded program. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. Um, But it was like, okay, you're on green. You got to go up to blue now. After you do this one, you go up to the magenta one. Oh, wow. It was That's kind of demeaning. It very much was. But as an adult, taking the time to actually focus on, like, what was trying to come out of this, I learned how to speed read. And I learned, like, oh, wait. I like in elementary school and middle school and high school, I was never taught how to read. I was taught the alphabet. Like sure. There are patterns in the English language where you can read the first half of a sentence and you should have an idea of where the rest of the sentence is going. Yep. Not not read each word one at a time and then figure out what the sentence is. And similarly, a paragraph has a pattern where the first sentence should give you a hint at what the paragraph's gonna be about. And you can kind of skim through it and pull important words and, like, move through it faster. Yeah. You know? When I read the headlines at work and I'm on my coffee break to, like, try to get through as many articles as I can, it's basically, like, read the first two paragraphs, and then after that, read the first sentence of every paragraph and see if I want to stay around or if I want to skip to the next one. Yeah. Because news writing is written in a certain way where the, the most important information is at the top and the least important information is at the bottom. And so... If you front load the top two paragraphs, you're going to get the bulk of the article and what happened, and everything else is just going to be supporting information. Yes. That's what actual literacy is. A lot of people like to use literacy as a, can you read letters? But actual literacy is a mastery of communication. You know, I don't know if I learned that kind of shit until I got into college either. No, because they don't teach it. Yeah, I remember those kinds of things, and we had to read tons of stuff and research things. The professors being like, here's how you parse a shitload of information in a reasonable amount of time so you can work on other homework other than mine. Right. That That's the thing. So when I think about this stuff and look back at my time spent on 4chan, I realize... A lot of people like to go to 4chan because oh, there's no rules. I could I could post a, a horse being decapitated, and there's a there's a containment board for that, and I just I can ignore that. Mm-hmm. 
But really, it's about parsing information. So it's like when I see a joke I've seen before, it's like, oh, this is going nowhere. And I'll just leave the thread. Sure. And then when there's like a, a Warcraft discussion and somebody says, what's the deal with black characters? It's like, well, probably not going to get anywhere with this. So I move on. <laughs> and then when someone posts a Warcraft discussion and they say, "When? how come when Sylvanas like agreed to join Varian and they're fighting back the demons... Wouldn't she just let the demons win if she's trying to get everyone killed? Or did they just not have that part of the story planned out yet? And it turns into a debate of people actually citing things. Okay. And, and referencing stuff from books. And and saying, like, well, actually, in this quest here, blah, blah, this. Or, or actually, she was just setting up the further conflict because she knew the demons would fail. And it was more important that the war afterwards came because she can see the future now or whatever. And it's like, it'll give me things to think about. And it's like, okay, I'm glad I found this thread. You know, maybe it took a while. But at the same time, I would never find this thread on Reddit because one person's going to say, how come Sylvanas is bad? And someone else will say, the tree made me quiet. And then that will get a million upvotes. And, like, that's the end of the conversation. Sure. <laughs> twee! I wanted the twee back! It's my twee! <laughs> God, I love some of those comp- torrented up comics you did when that tree got burned down. They were just so cruel, and they pissed so many people off, and it was so funny. I like the one with the roller coaster. Did you see they added a roller coaster? Yes, yeah, we talked about this, I think, a couple months ago when it happened. Yeah, they, I love that comic, though, where she's like, yay, the roller coaster's so neat. Like, look at the view, and you can see the tree burning in the background. That was so fucking fun. <laughs> I didn't even play that game anymore, but that was still really funny. Uh, man, I really... So I've been, I've been actually, you know, we're, the show's, we're, we're progressing, so let's just close out with more Warcraft talk. Okay. Now that we found ourselves here. Um, I've been thinking about Warcraft lately, and it's like, the story just doesn't make sense anymore. It, it irks me so much. Um, they did this weird thing. I, it, so I told you about the story arc in Battle for Azeroth, right? I and believe how so. Basically, what it ended with was Sylvanas betrayed everyone because she's actually working for a death god, and she's just been trying to get as many people killed as possible. That bitch. And she flew off to like the afterlife to to come up with her next plan. So what's very frustrating to me is before the expansion came out, they released a book, as they often do. There's these like companion books, and the book has so many things that are not in the game. They explain plot holes that end up in the game. And it's like, well, did you read the book? Because they explained that. And it's like, no, what book? What are you talking about? So it's weird that it, it almost punishes you for paying attention. Because there's stuff that gets contradicted now. Because you get a lot of Sylvanas' inner monologue. And it's like, there's lines about how she really cares about the Forsaken. And she wants to lead the Horde so that it can be strong. Um, but she doesn't like having to do a parade. Like, they, they walk through a thing where there's, like, a big march where she's entering Orgrimmar, and she has to, like, march in with a bunch of soldiers into the the war chief's uh, throne room, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, like, everyone wants to stand outside and salute, and she just doesn't want to do this. And it's, like, her inner monologue should be, everyone has to die, because this is my plan. Right. She shouldn't be thinking about, oh, we have to have a dinner party with all the other leaders of the different races, you know, and she's like complaining about how, like going through the motions of holding this banquet. And it's like, it that wouldn't be her inner monologue. 
So it's setting up a different character than the character we got in the game. And right now, there's like there's basically three different versions of Sylvanas, depending on what material you've consumed. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if yeah. it's interesting in a good way. Like, ideally, your character would be consistent through all mediums. Well, that's the problem, because when, when Sylvanas... I, I showed you that cutscene where she betrays everyone. Yeah. And it's not even clear that's what happened. She just literally, for no reason, says the horde is nothing, and then flies away. And it's like, what? Everyone was confused. Except for some people, but it was mostly like, what's going on? What What is this? Um... So I don't know. <laughs> I I don't I don't get what I'm supposed to care about, I guess. Sure. Uh the fat loots you get in the new expansion. Yeah, I mean at least they they're getting rid of that the legendary weapon thing. That was a bad idea. Wait, what? They they did so in Legion they did a thing where you don't get weapon drops anymore. You just have one strong weapon that you power up. Oh, that's interesting. On paper, um Honestly, I I really hated that, and I kind of don't like that expansion. I, like, I it was fun getting new weapons, like as much as it was a bitch well, yeah. because you had to enchant every new weapon you got, right? Like, and you had to put gems in it, and and, and what it, there was work involved with getting upgrades in World of Warcraft. But you you know that going in, that's how the game is structured. So, well, yeah, they it, it's a double edged sword, um, which isn't a pun. Stop it. I, I was gonna say if you're a rogue, it, it definitely is a double edged sword because you stab people with both sides. The what they did with the weapons was kind of interesting because it wasn't like a weapon. Um, every spec got an, an iconic weapon. Okay. So, what like what's your what's your main? Do you remember? Did it you like druid. balance druid or was it feral? Um, towards the end it was feral. So if you're playing as a feral druid, um, when you show up in the expansion, um, a, a bird will fly into the city. And say, Chad, Chad, uh, the Arc Druid needs you. Come back to the Emerald Cove. And you push a Druid spell and you teleport to that, like that place where all the Druids gather. Moonglow. No, that's and not yet, what it's called. That's a that's a album by Avantasia. But it's the Moonglade. Like Moonglade. Yeah, that's it. Nailed so you it. go to the Moonglade, and there Malfurion's there, and he's like, Chad, come here. Uh, the the Emerald Dream calls out to us. We need all the Druids to help out. And because you're a feral druid, he'll say, you need to seek out the Claws of Amorath. And you get a quest where you go seek out a druid of the claw, um, and and you go to the grove that he, he sleeps in. And there, the evil um, Emerald Nightmare is starting to take over. And the druid of the claw that you were supposed to help, um, he's turned evil because he's been corrupted by the Emerald Nightmare. And it's like, oh no! And there's a whole quest chain where you you fight him, and it's just like, like the claws will never obey you. I am the emperor, yeah. And you fight him, and he drops his weapons, and you pick him up, and it lets you transform into a new cat, where you actually have like new HD textures and like fire effects. Oh, cool! And a new ability that you can only use in this new form. And so basically, you get a story about you becoming more of what you do. That sounds fun. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the Death Knights, if you're a Frost Death Knight, you go back to Ice Crown, uh, where the where the sword of uh, Frostmorn was shattered, and you find pieces of Frostmorn and you craft two new swords out of remnants of Frostmorn. Oh, that's fun. But my problem with this is like if you're a resto druid, you don't level as restoration. 
you have that as your backup spec for dungeons, but like you you're you don't do enough damage to level as a healing druid unless they change that. So you 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 tiptoed into the major downside <laughs> of the expansion. It was not very alt friendly. Because not only not only that, but you also had to level up the weapon. Oh dear. So as you do like the weapon actually had abilities in it. Like there was a talent tree attached to each weapon. Oh, like in Destiny, right? Like I'm pretty yeah. sure the guns do that. Kind of like that, but even further, where the like item level goes up also. Oh wow! So you had to like you had to do frequent raids in that spec to like power it up. Oh no! Now they did change it so you could do it in a different spec, and like you'd get these power up items and use them wherever you want. But it was still work if you had more than one spec. The thing with the this is a. Less so as the game went on, but I mean, with with the Feral Druid, right? You had two specs within Feral if you wanted a tank or DPS, and you would gear yourself differently. And I I know by the time I quit, I think a good DPS weapon was the exact same as a good tanking weapon. But for a while, that was not the case. And so I'm just thinking, like, oh, if you're going to tank, are you going to upgrade your weapon differently? And then can you undo that? Like, Well, actually, they split it into two different specs. So Druid has four specs now. Oh, fuck that. That's so much extra armor you gotta... I mean, I guess you already had four sets of armor when I played a druid. Well, no, they also... They changed it so the armor changes. So, if you're in feral spec, um, your armor all has agility, and we swap to guardian spec, the agility would just turn into stamina. Okay. Interesting. Now, I, I don't know if set bonuses carried over, but... But if you no. went to balance, would the agility turn into intellect, then? Yes. Okay. Huh. Um. The only hassle was the weapons, which it and 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 there were some like there were some quirks like if you're trying to do world first, you know, super competitive stuff. You, there was a little more min maxing to do and like gems and stuff. Sure. Um. But that was that was the major drawback for most people. For me, I had a different drawback. Uh, some of these weapons are a little too iconic. So, and everybody's walking around with the same fucking weapons. Well, yeah, but but not not just the duplicates. It's more like my character shouldn't have this. Oh, um, there's like, are you familiar with Ashbringer? Oh God, that name is super familiar. Ashbringer is this paladin sword. Okay, that, that like the leader of the paladins uses. And so this is pretty much why I stopped playing my paladin because I I don't play paladin. I play a sunwalker. She's a proud Tauren uh, warrior. And so they gave me like human armor and this dwarven sword and a horse, and I'm and, and my base was a church in the middle of human territory, and they say, "Oh, look, it's the Ark Paladin, this Minotaur that doesn't speak our language." <laughs> um, and I I just I didn't like it at all. Uh, the warlocks, destruction warlocks, they got a staff that makes these like demon portals that you can summon extra demons out of. That's cool. Yeah. It's also the staff responsible for breaking Outland because too many portals got open and it tore apart the planet. Oh, so just like a like this big heroic weapon that has all this lore behind it, and just some rando fuckface has it now. Yeah. So my favorite. That's pretty lame. My favorite of these, um, and I did this purposefully just because I don't like thrall. But my shaman is a goblin, and the whole shaman story is about how like you have to have respect for the elements, and they have to have respect for you. So I picked the goblins who only like money 
and their totems are literally drills that are designed to pump energy out of the earth against its will. I love that. That is great. Me too. So I made a shaman specifically to be a goblin because I hate the lore and everything about it. Now, if you're if you're the kind if you're the melee shaman, um, the story was kind of funny because you show up at the at the maelstrom where all the elements gather and Thrall is there and it's like champion, we need you to save the day. And demons show up and you're fighting the demons, and one of the demons attacks Thrall and knocks the doom hammer out of his hand. And the doom hammer, of course, is like Luke's lightsaber. Yeah. Like, it's the symbol of the horde that everyone rallies behind is Thrall with his Doomhammer. So he just drops it. And it's like, oh. So you got to go down to the bottom of the ocean to find it. And you're looking for it with him. It's like, we have to find my Doomhammer. I I can't believe I dropped it. And you go down there. And then he gets captured by an earth demon that grabs him. And he's restrained. And he's like, champion, the Doomhammer's over there. Uh, Quick, grab it and slay the demon. So you run over and you grab the doom hammer and mechanically this class is a dual wielder. So right. what they did was when you pick up the doom hammer in your main hand, your second hand forms a second doom hammer out of elements. So it's like a lightsaber turning on where you grab the hammer, but then your free hand, a hammer forms out of fire and it's just pure fire. And and Thrall's exact words are, I didn't even know it could do that. You must be the chosen one. Wow. Which is amazing to me because the whole the whole thing behind the Doomhammer and why it's special is there's an orc prophecy that one day a stranger would come and wield it and that would lead the horde to success. And so, so they- the implication was that Thrall was that stranger because he was raised by humans. He knows common... He came out of nowhere, and he just happened to be the child of their former leader. So it's like, oh, that he must be the, the stranger. No, it turns out it was a goblin that does awesome. not respect the elements at all and has an RP profile I can't repeat on the air. <laughs> and it's like, this is the worst writing ever. <laughs> and then every fucking shaman is going to be walking around with a doom hammer now. Not just the Doomhammer, you can unlock skins so you can get a better looking Doomhammer that has spikes on it, so it's cool. Here's what bothers me, is I remember back at level 60 and 70, uh, at least for PvP, if you wanted to play a uh, melee shaman, the best thing to do was to find a really good two-hander. Because when you proc'd Wind Fury, uh, especially with a crit, you would do a, such an, you would one-shot people because of the way the multiplication bonuses worked. And so you only ever did dual wielding for, for raids, uh, because it would, over time, be more damage. But if you are going for burst damage, you wanted a big honking motherfucking axe, or a hammer. And so it's kind of funny that, like, you pick up a two... Uh, that This is the case, right? Like, to me, this is, like, really antithetical to how I would play a shaman. It's weird. <laughs> it sounds pretty I, bad. I liked, um, I liked the original ones more than the, the lore-heavy ones. Like, there's a couple that no one's ever heard of until now. And it's like, you know what? That's fine. I don't mind exploring this story. Um, There's one, the Shadow Priest. Shadow Priest got a dagger. But the dagger was made from the tooth of an old god that supposedly died. Did I tell you about this one? No, this is news to me. I think her name was Ilganoth. The dagger's name, rather. 
you're you're basically you're a priest and you're told to investigate a cult. And so you're looking into it and you find this uh old god cult that's living underwater in a lake. And you go in there and you're like killing everybody and it's like we got to save them. We got to stop the cult from summoning a demon. So you you go in and you find this guy fighting off a demon and he has the dagger. And then and then he says something along the lines of um, why aren't you responding to me? Can't you hear me? And then the demon kills him, and he drops the dagger. And then you go over and pick it up, and then you hear this like lovely feminine voice go, um, like uh, she says something like, uh, "I think you can help me more." Oh well. And she talks to you the entire expansion. She has commentary about every zone. Um, when you go to like a raid boss, she has some throwaway lines about like. Oh, he got uglier with time. <laughs> and she drops all these weird... Uh, there's, like, hints that foreshadowed things that would happen in the next expansion. Oh, wow. There's That's also cool. there's also lies. And so you kind of don't know what to believe. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting is that she becomes a traveling companion. And so, like, you're walking around, you get used to her. And it's interesting because, like, she has a throwaway line about how, like, the, oh, the Torin looks stupid with their antlers... Or something. And it's like, oh, it's fun. But then it's like, now in this new expansion, you don't have that weapon anymore. And it's like, well, now now the class is sort of missing something. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh. So the, there, were, there were interesting bits, and there were kind of lame bits, too. Talking weapons is fun. I feel like we could maybe do a 20-minute conversation on those. You know we what? probably just did like six minutes of it. Yeah, we could totally revisit that, though. Um, I like the idea of like companion things. Honestly, yeah. uh, we're we're talking about Space Station thirteen the other day. Um, maybe not you and me, but I love playing as the AI. And uh, on on one server, someone experimented and they were able to put together a new UI where you can have more than one camera up. So I could actually watch like multiple floors at a time, and someone called for medical help, and I could go and monitor them while still following this other conversation over here. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I, I really feel like HAL 9000. Nice. Um, we're at around an hour. I don't suppose you want to wrap up, and then I don't know if you want to play video games tonight or what. Your yeah, we can do is. something. My uh, Overwatch. Yeah, do you, have a, do you have a glad space, or are you just happy about Overwatch? So, I didn't have a glad space until about ten minutes before we started, which is why I was on a phone call. Um, my my neighbor who I play ping pong with has a a box set of alien miniatures, and he was looking for them. And he actually found them, and he gave them to me. And they're really old. They're probably done up in the eighties or nineties. They're they're lead miniatures, so you can't eat them. Oh. And so I opened this box up, not really sure what to expect. There, it's a Colonial Marine set. It comes with Hicks, uh, Ripley, Newt. I think Vasquez is the person with the smart gun, but it could be one of the nameless guys that they're they're an inch tall. When I say they're miniatures, they're they're half the size of my Warhammer figures. Oh, okay. I think I know the ones you're talking about. I don't know how I'm going to paint these. That sounds fun though. But I'm kind of excited to try. They're they're not like mega detailed like the Warhammer ones, but there's enough on here to work with. And so, of course, there's no xenomorphs. It's a, it's a marine set, and so my my dumbass is looking for some xenomorphs on the same scale. I haven't found any yet, but I'm hoping I can find something or something I can 3D print. 
because uh, it would be cool to set up a little like diorama or whatever with these. But yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty happy with these. Also, they're worth some money. Like since this is like they still got the carrying case and everything. Like he probably could have sold these on eBay for like 150 bucks. That's something to cherish then. Yeah, and he he's and I told him that and he's like, well, I've always I've always wanted to see them finished, and they're too small for me because he likes to kit bash stuff, so he does a lot of Marvel Legends things. And he's like, no, these these are too small. And I'm looking at him like, fuck, these things are really small. But I'm going to probably spray paint them black uh, this weekend, you know, with primer. And uh, take them, like, one at a time? I'm going to have to. I don't know. I don't think I can batch paint these, and I don't know if I want to. Yeah, that'll be a fun thing to try, though. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be pretty cool. and it, It's neat to have them. Like, they, they feel like this, like, relic of alien history because they kind of are <laughs> and i'm such a fucking slut for aliens yeah i if, if you ever try vr chat again i want to take you to an alien place you can have a you can you can be ellen ripley herself that'd be cool I, i'm definitely i'm willing to try that i think this weekend i might snag beat saber i know the best way to get like vr legs is basically to play and i did get my uh my stimulus check in my 1200 bucks so i have some money i can dick around with Cool. I do recommend you try just playing uh, in sitting position, too. Sure. I think that'll help a lot. I feel a little more comfortable moving, but I think that only came with time. Yeah, and I think Joe kind of feels the same way in regards to that. It was funny, though. We were dancing. Did I tell you about the anime dance sim we found? No. Uh, There's this place where basically it sets up a... There's a stage... And they have, like, a canned animation that's synced up to a song. So you pick the song, and then your character just, like, teleports there and dances. Uh, it's fine. Like, you're not doing anything, so it's not... I don't really see the huge appeal. But I realized, oh, I can just walk on stage. So that's what I was doing a lot of, was I'd wait until someone's having fun, and I'll just walk on stage and stand next to them awkwardly. That's funny. Oh, there it is. Um, but I got this... A predator avatar that literally like it turns invisible like the cloaking tech where it's like there's a shimmer still oh nice yeah so what i did was i was a predator <laughs> I, was just, I would stand invisible on the stage and someone would go up there and start dancing and then i would just like inch closer to them and then the, like there'd be a point in the song where they stop and like they pose for a couple seconds and i'd be there posed to like to mirror them a bit like i'm there dancing with them and i would decloak and then i would start dancing with them Nice. And it was just, it made me laugh because I scared somebody really bad. And the, and they, they like screamed and like, ah, how do I leave? How do I leave? How do I leave? And then they teleported away because <laughs> it startled them. Ah, <laughs> uh, those were the days. <laughs> um, oh, I should have a glad space too, huh? Uh, yeah, if you want. I, I've been I've been pruning a lot of my podcasts lately and trying new ones. Okay. And a friend of mine recommended I want to say it's literally the funniest podcast I've ever heard. Uh I think I sent you like a highlight clip from YouTube. In fact, I might actually recommend you just watch the highlights on YouTube instead of listening to the whole show. Uh but you go to YouTube and look up Cumtown. I I have never laughed so hard. These guys will do improv so like there's a there's a trick to joke delivery. You know, there's a skill there. Right. 
these guys commit to a bit so unanimously. It's amazing. Because they will go off the rails immediately. Or they'll just tell these amazing stories. I I think I sent you the Star Trek one. Do you remember this about Voyager? I don't actually know if I watched this. I think I was one of those, like, I was probably working on music, which takes my audio drivers. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, I'll get to it later, and then totally forgot about it. Um, So if you look up on YouTube, if you look up Come Town Star Trek, I think you'll find this story. But someone took a bunch of the, the clips where they talk about Star Trek, and the one guy's like a big fan. And he was he was talking about how it's weird, but like one of the characters in Voyager, um, he he was Korean, but they for, <laughs> for some reason the scriptwriters, um, they, like so he the actress Korean, and he played uh Enzen Kim, uh the comedian from Come Town tweeted at him and said, "Hey, um, how come Kim is Chinese?" And the actor responded, and said, well, he's not Chinese, he's Korean. He's like, well, no, you said he's Chinese. And he played this clip from a thing where it turns out the writers of the show said that Ensign Kim was Chinese, even though Kim isn't a Chinese name. And it's like this weird thing where it's like the actor literally just said, like, what is wrong with you? And blocked him. <laughs> because it's like the conversation was not going anywhere and it was just getting offensive. Sure. And and the other guys are laughing, but then they're also like, "Yeah, but what is wrong with you?" He's like, I, "What? I'm just trying to tell a story." He's like, "Yeah, but why are you harassing this the sad Chinaman?" He's like, "No, he's not Chinese. He said he is, and he then he said he's not." And I'm asking, "Which is it?" And it's just like it turns in this weird spiral that it's like, "How did this conversation get here?" You can listen to them talk for five minutes, and you might not be, you might not be able to remember the beginning of the conversation because it moves so fast. This sounds like my kind of podcast because it kind of sounds a little bit like um, like Humor on the Dismal Jesters or Boston's Favorite Son, which is the same people, just a different name. Yeah, I, I really I recommend it. Um, I recommend you actually look up older shows, though, before this year, because right now, like the coronavirus kind of dominating the news cycle, like it hurt their topics. Oh, sure. Um, There was a recent one, though. Like, you're, you're familiar with the the USS Mercy that pulled into New York a while back. Yeah. Um, they had this joke where th- they decided that the USS Mercy is the one guy's uh, girlfriend. He's like, oh, no, wait, isn't she your wife? Like, didn't you marry the USS Mercy? It's like, why are you saying that, like, my wife would be fat? It's like, no, it's, no, she loves you and she's supportive. It's just, you know, you're, you're sitting here fat ass and you run out of pork rinds. And so USS Mercy pulls up outside your door. It's like, hey, you, you want, I'm going to 7-Eleven. You want some pork rinds? You go, yeah. And then, she, you know, you need, like, 200 gay guys to operate your wife so that she can get to the store and get your pork grinds because she loves you. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, actually, no, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's just, yeah, it's it's that kind of humor. So I, I recommend um you you listen to it in a place where others won't hear it. Yeah, I might have to. I've been looking at some of the podcasts I listen to and thinking about dropping one or two just because they're not really doing it for me anymore. And uh, I I like this kind of humor. Now, I also, I did recommend you Political Orphanage, which is educational. Yeah, or I could listen to the people talk about dating a giant boat, so. So anyone out there not interested in Come Town, look up Political Orphanage, but I'll talk about that another time. There's a there's a joke on uh, the the dismal gestures back when that was a thing, 
uh, where where Jim Sterling got blocked on Twitter by uh, Matt Borealis because he kept trying to convince him to change his name to Matt Borealis because <laughs> he could never remember his last name, so he called him Borealis. Or maybe it was the other way around, but he was just like, like once a day, he'd be like, "Hey, can you change your last name?" Because I can never remember your last name, and this way I'll remember it. <laughs> and the dude is just finally like, "Fuck you," and blocked him. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, that's oh. great. Yeah. Well, we had a good laugh tonight. Should we end here and maybe play some video games? I should go feed my cat. Yeah. What What video game do you think we're gonna play? I, I would like to play some Overwatch just because I'm in the mood to listen to some music. That sounds about good. I. I really don't know what they're doing with Overwatch right now. They're talking about have... doing like a a uh, Moira rework. Hmm. And it's like I don't care anymore. It ruined the whole game. I don't care. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm not going to play Val- Valorant though. That's that's actual like that's a sober game. I'm not doing that shit. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm not playing a sober game where you have to aim. Oh, no, no, no. No. Okay. I will, we'll, 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 we'll reconvene in video game, hopefully, or probably. And you gotta help! Now's Mario. How's Luigi sound? And you gotta help! I don't know what how Luigi sounds. He hey, sounds Luigi. disappointed because he's Luigi. What? How does it go? Hey, Luigi, it sure was nice of the princess to invite us over for some spaghetti. No, what does he say? It sure was nice of the princess to invite us over for a picnic. I hope she brought lots of spaghetti. Is this from the movie? No, this is from the the CDI game, Hotel Mario. Oh, I've never played that or seen What's it or this? know anything about it. It's a note from that nasty King Koopa. Dear pesky plumbers, I kidnapped the princess. And you gotta find her. And then they like Luigi turns the camera and says, And you gotta help. And and the music goes and that loops until the end of the game. <laughs> Does it? it? Is it's? I mean, you know how bad those like CDI Zelda games were. The Mario ones worse. God. I mean, there is no but God. You, you know what they say? All toasters toast toast. That was a joke. Honestly, I love that. I would get that tattooed on my bottom of my foot, and then I could like. No, I'm not gonna do that. And he has a he has a bread of Bowser's. It's, it's Bowser's sourpuss bread, and it's like this isn't funny. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> okay, I'm hitting pause now. We are done. 